When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, hey, hello, and welcome to another edition of Troy Nunes' is an Absolute Podcast. I'm Steve Haller, host of said podcast. Uh, with me, as always, also host of said podcast, Christian Guzman and Andy Pregler. If you're watching on the live stream, this was really awkward because I was thinking it was my other podcast where somebody else introduces things. <laughs> nope. Uh, we are back to the reality where Syracuse football, uh, loses nationally televised games in really, really sad manners. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm totally handling this fine. How about you, Christian? How are you handling this? I, I told Andy I would reveal something on the podcast. Let's do this now. Let's just get it out of the way. Are we ripping the bandaid off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would, what do you guys just hazard a guess? At the team run blocking grade from Syracuse, the run defense grade, I should say, from Syracuse from PFF. Threve. Um, the, it's it's an umlaut with uh, some ampersands and then a four hundred four. Essentially, yes. Uh, Forty seven point seven. Yay! Oh, not great, Bob. Not great. I'd rather have the four hundred four. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I, I, in general, this game was, was bad. Syracuse lost. Uh, I don't even remember the final score cause I turned it off before the game ended, which is, yep. I know a cardinal sin, but 40, 41 to something or other. 41 yeah. To yep. There we go. Um, not fun to, uh, not great, Bob on all the fronts. Um, the loss really screws with Syracuse's opponent adjusted numbers. It, like, all the thing, all the fancy stats that loved Syracuse before the last two weeks, and even loved Syracuse a bit after Clemson, no longer love Clemson, or no love, longer love Syracuse. Um, well, and that's understandable. I mean, yep. At the same time, like looking at this, I, I'm going to bring it back to rationality because you know, yes, sky is falling. We lost two games to Clemson and Notre Dame. People, uh, <laughs> like yes, yeah. Notre Dame has looked like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of what Notre Dame should sometimes this year, but it, they're they're still Notre Dame. Did you see the sheer size uh, differential between the yeah. people in the trenches? Like, yeah, I want to bring that up also. Like in terms of like bringing it back to rationality, if I find a time this week, I'll write this up on the site as well. We didn't learn anything new about no. Syracuse. This is Syracuse basically played the same game that it has for the past seven games. And it just so happened that, hey, uh, I was going to say something different, but, like, size is a considerable factor when you're coming up against, when you're playing a physical game that the, uh, but that the past two teams have decided to play. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually shout out to uh, my friends who are Syracuse fans who know who they are. Who we go have we have a group chat that goes off during all the games and like they're really smart sports people and. There was a lot in this game that was uh, creating conversations, but one of the things that we were talking about a lot was, I believe it was in either the first end of the first quarter, early in the second quarter, there was a jet sweep play um, where I don't remember if it was Gatson or if it was Courtney Jackson. It was one of those two guys. They go across the sweep. Yep. Yep. Um, they, they, he runs in motion to look like it's a jet sweep. Schrader takes the shotgun snap. And the play is literally designed for Schrader to take one step, boot it out to the guy uh, who is in motion, and pick up some yards. I think it was like uh, second and five or something. Second, second and one. one. Second and one. This was the dumbest play call of the day. <laughs> and it's, but, that's, why, that's why, if you're again, if you're watching on the live stream, <laughs> if you saw my face as soon as Andy uh, said jet sweep, yeah. I was like, I know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yep. Me too. And... And then Schrader, instead of making the easy throw, which they showed from the behind the quarterback view on the replay, uh, the guy was wide open. Uh, Notre Dame literally did not. The play did as it was supposed to do. It froze Notre Dame's far superior uh, defensive backs when it comes to athleticism and gave Syracuse some space to operate with to get the yards necessary. However, Schrader does not make that throw. Schrader holds on to the ball for far more than he needs to, ends up taking a sack, and it's now third and long, and uh, the drive is eventually is stalled out. And I felt that was basically the, the summation of the game, where yes. even if Syracuse was, like, if Syracuse was going to win this game, they weren't going to win this game by having Schrader or Tucker or Gadsden pull a rabbit out of their hat. They were going up against a team that could, on a one-to-one level, beat every single one of Syracuse's players rep by rep. And the only way Syracuse was going to win was with the asterisk there. Barring Mr. Tucker. Yes. Barring Mr. Tucker Tucker was still the best running back on the field. (laughs) And I will will actually say this as well. Much like the Clemson game, not their wide receivers either. I don't think their wide receivers had any game breaking potential. No. And that was something that needed to be exploited that may have been a, a bit of a, mar on tony white's uh very solid record this year uh in the sense that you know do you bring a and i guess we'll get to this later in the defensive portion but um do you bring somebody else up into the box because you know yes they rolled guys onto the line but there was still only six to seven at most in the box and that's something we can we can dive deeper on but back to the offense um yeah yeah, the, and then and you need and I keep I I literally Steve I quoted you in this group chat and I was like guys this offense is smoke and mirrors to create efficiency and that it's, requires it's not just the offense it's the entire team oh yeah it's on right. offense and on defense <laughs> which is what so we need if to you... do when you vastly are over recruited because when you have the option to go to a blue blood blue blood like Notre Dame or an ACC or SEC school, are you going to come to Syracuse? No. Yeah. I mean, we I all love so- Syracuse, but <laughs> to yeah, sell it to a 17-year-old kid, not as easy. Right. And so the and so the end of the day is just like, listen, if Schrader is going to take it and run, if he's not going to make the reads that he needs to make, if, like, this entire... I'm not trying to put this entire loss on Schrader because the defense definitively played a big role in that. But in general, this is not a team 
that is built around the idea of having a gunslinging quarterback who does whatever he wants. This is like this is a very tight system, and I think that that does open up the box to then criticize the people who are designing said system. Case, um, case in point, Illinois, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you then look at what happened with the offense when Carson Del Rio Wilson came in. Things started clicking a little bit more in an efficiency standpoint. But again, young quarterback, he made young quarterback mistakes. And it's at that point, it's like, well, do you want Schrader's going to miss open reads, but maybe gives you a game break versus Del Rio Wilson's mistakes, but the system is going to run efficiently? It probably depends on the opponent. Against Notre Dame, you need Del Rio Wilson to either play a mistake-free game or you need Schrader to play within the script until he finds that one opportunity to take advantage of it. And and that and that was just not happening today. Schrader just didn't have it from a physical standpoint. He wasn't making the right mental decisions. And by the time that Del Rio Wilson got in there, the kid was trying to force things to make it happen because that's where the, the play calling was leading. Well, and that's I guess that's where I guess that's the next place we can take it. And also, uh, I know you're a Yinzer, but I feel like there was a Carson Wentz uh, Freudian slip in there. It is Carlos Del <laughs> Wilson. Uh, <laughs> however, um, I definitely, I definitely called him Carson and not Carlos. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot. And I, yes, it's Carlos Del Rio Wilson, not Carson Del Rio Wilson. I'm thinking hey, of hey, Jack hey, Del Rio just... quarterbacks. The whole thing is just throwing me for you. <laughs> yeah, Jack Del Rio, Carson Wentz. Like it's all, it's everywhere. Uh, and he's dealing with the effects of being in proximity of Philadelphia fans. That's, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Dorio Wilson came in admirably the first couple of drives. The The big thing, I guess, that's a question mark right now is what's in, – in Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeldese, what's the deal with Garrett Schrader's legs? Because they yeah. did not exist this week. And Del Rio Wilson looked better this yeah. week running the ball. He did than Schrader. He scrambled and, much better than Schrader, yeah. which is why I bring the question up. And and that also goes to show that like Dur- I I don't remember if he was recruited as a dual threat. I'm not sure no, if that was pro style. I actually looked that up during the game because of that exact question. Yeah, yeah. And I he moved very very well, and so. He did. He also did that thing that I've been talking to you guys about, about not so much running, but just shuffling and resetting himself in the pocket. Yeah. Well, because because what Schrader does is that he just runs because he always has the idea of, oh, I'm going to take off before he sees an option. It's like, oh, let me just chuck this thing. Mm-hmm. What you what you see from most pro style quarterbacks is once they escape the pocket, they get themselves back into a throwing motion. Right. Which Set is what you saw up. from Del Rio Wilson. Right. Now, at the same time, when he well, whether whether or not he was shuffling or in a solid position, you still numerous times saw him um, throw off his back foot a little more than we'd want to. Uh, there were some floated balls, but overall, yeah. he you know he he performed as admirably as you could off a cold number two um, coming in at halftime yeah. for the number one. Who well, I, it, yeah, and it, and it brings up an interesting conundrum for the Syracuse offense. Because now you have to decide what kind of team you want to be. And the easy and logical answer is going to be, yeah, you got to run a trader. Right. But, he, but if he's not going to be your, if he's not going to be the efficient quarterback that you saw from the first five, six weeks of the season, 
the Doriel Wilson is such a different quarterback, so much so that the offensive game plan needs to change. And you just and you saw it with just how not just how he threw, but also what receivers he targeted. Right. Because why so why is Trevor Pena and Devon Cooper and Courtney Jackson up more on the depth chart? It's because what the coaches have realized and what everyone else in the media has realized is that Schrader is not comfortable throwing the long ball, but he's very, very comfortable at zipping short to medium passes. And so your smaller, agile receivers are better at getting those balls. Right, your traditional slot guys. What we saw from Dorio Wilson is that he likes to bomb it down the field. And we have we didn't really see too much of the short mid-game, mainly because in the game situation that he came in, that wasn't the passes. Those weren't the passes that you were going to call. Right. You need the home but, run ball. And so what do we see? We saw a bit of Damian Alford. We saw a lot of Amari Hatcher and Gatson as and Gatson as well. So do you, do you systematically shift the offense to go from the short mid game with your agile receivers or do you put a couple more of the home run hitters on the field? If Schrader's carrying a knock and I know we use that term a lot from our soccer background, but if he's carrying a knock, it's effectively like a box-to-box midfielder that can't cover box-to-box. Yeah. And if you if you don't have Schrader mobile, you don't have Schrader because that yeah. is his game. And and, it, and we saw it, and we saw that this week. Yeah, 100%. because because there were so many times when there were so many times in that game where it's like, oh, this boy would be perfect for Schrader to either scramble or a QB draw slash QB run from Schrader. Mm-hmm would actually work really well here. And we didn't see that at all. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it does. So I was I, I had my all 22s this week because I was in my seats, not in the press box. Mm-hmm. So I got to see a different look at this game than I have in a long time. Unfortunately, it was a game <laughs> that didn't, <laughs> didn't. So all these weeks of watching film did nothing for me because we saw nothing close to what we had seen. Um, but yeah, it was it was a drastically different game than what we had experienced uh, the past couple of weeks for play call, for athletes, for what Schrader was doing, for the offensive line. That's a whole different ball game. Um, I am still very worried about the right side of our offensive line and what uh, Leish is doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, weird situation we're in this week. Yeah, and I, I think the other part of this, like just to put a bow on this offensive discussion, is that the reality of the situation is that from here on out, the it's not that the schedule gets easier. It's just that you're playing teams with much more obvious flaws than Clemson and Notre Dame, um, and who, with the, ex- like Pitt and Florida State are probably more attuned to Clemson and Notre Dame on the recruiting scale than Wake, uh, Boston College. But this I just is a, that about Florida State, like, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is that Florida State's been run and like I again, I haven't been keeping up to date with it. But just from what I've, you know, heard in national college football discussions, it sounds like Florida State's recruiting is 
good, but not the level that we are used to seeing it. Like, Cam Akers is not in that backfield taking a wildcat for 15 straight snaps. No, but remember, Florida State's good but not great is still better than our best class we've literally ever had. Yes, exactly. And like we, it comes down and to... I will, for, for the people that complain about it all the time, I will reiterate, we have had two five-stars ever. We've had 22 four-stars ever, ever. Like, since 2000, when yeah. I have the data from, 22. That's And I was going to say, that's a, that's a single class at Florida State if they're a top three <laughs> ACC right. school. <laughs> right, Clemson gets 22 um, four-stars in a year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Clemson sneezes, and, I, and, I, and they show right. up at we, the door. Right, we've had that in 20 years. Right. So I and I think that we've seen like especially like with these two schools that Syracuse can very easily beat them, even with the recruiting advantages with the head coaches in play. Um, the, the big thing is that it's really going to come down to can the offensive line block better against worse off defensive lines and open up space for Tucker that will then open the door for you to have a better quarterback conversation. If you're not going to be able to run the ball and Schrader's not going to be able to run the ball, you probably have to look at Del Rio Wilson a lot more seriously just because he's going to be the only person that can give you some dynamicism on offense versus a hurt Schrader who who can't run and an offensive line that can't block for uh, Sean Tucker. So, like... I don't love that, and again, I think that we're still probably going to see Schrader take the first snaps in Pittsburgh, but it'll be interesting to see like what that leash looks like and if a week of rest you know, actually helps Garrett on that front. Um, so, not moving off of this game entirely. Well, no, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put a bow in. I, I'm, if there's any chance that Schrader is carrying a knock, I'm calling for Del Rio Wilson, like start against Pitt. Narduzzi will have game planned for Schrader. Yeah. Like throw number two out there and just let it fly. Just let it go. Because what, I mean, what do you have to lose? Like, you know, Pitt's just, we've never, the we've never won in this stadium. We've never won in the building now known as Akersher, formerly known as Hines. Like literally history says you're going to walk in and lose this game. And I think Vegas is saying that we're going to lose this game. There are 57 different ways we can lose this game. That's funny because I just went to the uh, to the catch-up part of the Pittsburgh Museum. So I can give you all <laughs> more than 57 facts. And oh, yes, boy. there is an entire museum section dedicated to ketchup I, and I, Heinz I, in I Pittsburgh. Put this in, I put this in our Slack chat um, over to, uh, during the game. It'll be really, really nice to have right now. Justin Lampson. Hmm. 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 <laughs> now, if Lampson doesn't go down, we don't get Del Rio Wilson. But yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean. I mean, but this is this is the this is the challenge, right? Like that this that this has gone back to to Eric Dungey is that Syracuse actually probably before Eric Dungey. Um, I think Terrell Hunt probably starts this chain of Syracuse never getting 12 starts out of its starting quarterback. Um, that, might go about, that might go all the way back to Ryan Nassib. That's yeah, what I was yeah, trying to think. Nassib, is like, did yeah. I think Nassib's senior year he got all 12 in? Did he? But 
I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that. Like I can't I I, I that's just like me try me trying to remember my sophomore year or my freshman year of college at this point in time is literally like trying to hold water in your hand. At any um, time. <laughs> right. Like it's just, it's just not going to happen really well. You might get something but you're not going to get the thing that you're looking for. <laughs> um, if that's true. Can confirm he yeah. was one of 11 players to start all 12 games. There we go. Yeah, so we've not had a quarterback since Ryan Nassib start all 12 games in a in a season. Um, that's not ideal. Uh, and uh, I the, the split zone duo has had this thing going all year where they talk about how if there's not 32 NFL quarterbacks, there is no way in hell that there's 128 FBS starting quarterbacks, let alone 128, you know, backup quality quarterbacks. Uh, so it's, it's the toughest position to fill and Syracuse has continually found ways to make sure that they are, you know, not healthiest at that position. So something to keep an eye on for this week. Um, obviously we won't get anything on Monday's conversation. Like Dino is not going to give us any, any indicator there, but pay attention to the guys on the ground and see if, see if something breaks. Oh, Steve's got his like, no, this what's is up just move? a random, completely off the cuff. Uh, thought I googled Terrell Hunt just to confirm that you know I in my head I was like he's he didn't start all any anything no, definitely not, um, no. every time he decided to do something good he got injured uh, including the Achilles his senior year which you know I I know how much that sucks but the uh, the uh, so somehow ushered ushered in the Dungey era in the weirdest way possible oh 100 percent and the people also searched for on Google was. Ryan Nassib, Greg Paulus, Eric Dungey. Those all make sense. The fourth, Todd Philcox. Who? <laughs> okay, we're hitting the Steve is old then. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he he played, he was undrafted in 1989 and played for the Browns for a bunch of years. Browns, Bengals, Bucks, Jags, Chargers, and the Patriots. Um, including a couple starts in the NFL. But yeah, he uh, that's that's a deep cut. But how that showed up in the people also search for, like if you're looking for Terrell Hunt, you're not also looking for Todd Philcox. There is no uh, diagram where that should overlap. My my question is, oh wow, yeah, that's how you spell that. Okay, cool. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> that's all I needed to know. Um, I was gonna try to pivot that into a conversation about the defense, but I'm not. Uh, let's just talk about the defense. Uh, Christian hit it off the top. The run defense was bad. The run defense has been bad. We knew the run defense was going to be bad. Um, uh, Garrett Williams getting hurt back-to-back games is is bad. Um, I, I mean, is it weird for me to say that with all of this, I'm still like not that concerned about the defense? Like, I know it's not great that you can't stop teams from running the ball, but for the most part, they're still getting turnovers, and they're still um, doing a lot of the good things that we know they can do. It's just that I look at our defensive line, and every time I see Darton on the line, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're starting this year. Um, so I, I just kind of... Is it naive of me to just chalk this all up to personnel? Or should we be more worried that structurally Tony White 
3-3-5. I will say it is only worrying for one more game. Unfortunately, that game is next next week. Uh, Also, I will say, ¿Por qué no los dos? That too. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, run defense wasn't too, too bad last year. And yes, that was with fifth and sixth year seniors on the line. Right. But like, it wasn't bad last year. And, And I think we all noticed... You could all feel the shift in the run defense once Terry Lockett went down. So there was definitely a personnel issue there. So while there are probably things that Tony White could have done to do more, because I said it all week, Notre Dame, you knew what you were getting with Notre Dame. Like, they got the majority of their offense from rushing, and that wasn't a secret. So you knew that was coming. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, if you do not have the players available to stop it, and you have the sheer size, when a team can confidently run four tight ends onto the field, you know that they have a size advantage and a physicality advantage over you. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, at the same uh, of note, Kevin Jobity, true freshman, got the actual start. Mm-hmm. on the line uh so he has flown up the depth chart this is a kid who started playing football last year so not too shabby for him um good to see him get some reps and some some uh snaps but uh, uh yeah I, if you look at pff our overall defensive grades you have uh Kayvon darton at a 74.9 and steve linton in the 60s and every other uh, defensive lineman is well below the Mendoza line with Funtas Cundiff being 52 and a half and everyone else below that. So not a great look from, uh, from our, our run folks. Yeah. Except for Darton. Darton ended up 77 plus. Somehow. He, I mean, he it's... made some plays. He was, he was disruptive. The ends, weirdly, this game, I thought were more of an issue than him. Um, just getting moved around. Yeah. Which opened some seams. I mean, they ran basically inside zone the entire game. And it was just, you know, yeah, I think, the, the yeah, once the game out and that was it. Once, once the game went around, once the game moved on, I think they started hitting B-gap a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, not not great look. But again, do we roll more up this week? Do we bring, do we do we take that rover and turn him into a uh, hybrid run guy? Do we what What do you do to stem this? I think you can, just mainly because the the safeties are doing really really well. Yep. Give me a second. My dad just walked in. Um, hey everyone on the live stream. Um, <laughs> Hi, everyone listening to the podcast also. Uh, but the safeties are doing really, really well. Um, like J- Jahad Carter. I- I've been saying this a lot on Twitter, that Jahad Carter has been showing exponential improvement ever since his very first start yeah. uh, for Syracuse. And now with three takeaways 
in the past two games. He's like really, really living up to that. Jason Simmons also has been incredible. Say, Simmons has been great this as year well. too. Yeah, and even Rob Hanna. Yeah. And like and like in his backup limited rules. I mean, I know he's been at at the Rover, but like Rob Hanna in his limited spurts has been not great, but not terrible either. Right. He so, may weigh five pounds soaking wet with a cinder block tied to him, but he's yeah. been playing well. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can have Barron cheat down, and he's got the physicality to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. he's got the athleticism to be an extra run defender and essentially play a 3-4. Uh, I would say it's closer to a 4-3 because you're uh, pretty much every oh, play yeah. this this game – you you saw at least one guy roll up, if not both rolled up. It's and it's usually either Mc, it's usually the Sam, it's usually right. McDonald slash Sparrow. Yep. So you know, do you roll him up and then drop Baron down into that yeah. like and, light zone? Yeah. But and now that we say that, this now actually also becomes the very interesting conundrum of the Stefan Thompson injury being more hurtful than we realized. Mainly because, like, listen to what I just said. The guy who's playing as the extra guy on the line is usually Derek McDonald and Anwar Sparrow. When right. it could be and should be Stefan Thompson. Yeah, and that's, you know, it. I don't want to say it's a huge drop, but it's a drop. It's definitely, I mean, there's a reason Stefan Thompson was starting. Like, he, and especially when he... When we saw him on the field, he was disruptive. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what happens when he comes back next year. But that was a big loss. Yeah, there's it. Like it, I really don't like using injuries as an excuse for everything. I don't think if Syracuse is healthy, this game magically turns around. But like, you can definitely see the cracks in this facade where it's just the 2018 team's health is still one of those things we don't talk about enough like that team barely had anyone of important on the 22 let alone the two deep um be out for more than a game or two at a time and i think the most impactful injury was dungy where we saw tommy devito come in and play like a stud like this year the number of guys who are out for the year who are on the two deep at the start of the season or our two deep quality is probably just as much as we've had any other year. And the fact that this team is still six and two ranked 22nd in the country is, is something. Um, But Steve, you were talking about recruiting, like the downside, like there are two downsides to not recruiting. Well, there's the lack of talent that you have and the lack of size that you have on the starting 11 on both sides of the ball. And then there's the depth. And the depth piece is the part that I think is really going to hurt the orange down the stretch here because of the issues that it causes on defense. And this is this is just the reality of the situation. You need a lot of things to go right for a special season. And if even if this isn't a quote unquote special season with an orange bowl or, you know, a big time bowl game in the, you know, at the end of the year, there's still a bowl game at the end of the year. This is still an un this is still a win for Dino Babers and this team on the season it's just been a gut punch of the last two weeks and i think that that's like um i was i somebody oh gosh steve what was the year that uh we went eight and four and beat missouri in the stupid game 
Oh, um, 26. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Was, was that yeah? That was, was a trail hunt year. No, that was, was a NASA year. Oh, it wasn't, okay. It definitely no, wasn't it was sixteen. The last, <laughs> oh, were you, yeah? You were sixteen, weren't you? You were present yeah. and accounted for for that. So it would have been yeah. maybe 2013, 2014. Sixteen was sixteen. Was yeah, like I think it, year. Was it? A yeah, Texas it might have been twenty. Was it the first Texas Bowl? No, it was the Pinstripe Bowl versus uh, oh, West Virginia yeah, yeah, yeah. and Geno yeah. Smith. Sorry, wrong. Oh, West that was, Virginia game. So that was either so that was either ten or twelve. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I think it was 12. Um, I don't remember which one. Either way, the reason I bring up this season is that that season started with two really stupid losses early in the year. Um, and actually, I think all four of the losses came relatively early in the season. And so the fact that Syracuse got to 8-4 and four and won the bowl game that they did made the season seem so much better than it actually was. Um, versus where I feel like this team can finish the finish the season with the exact same record but because the losses came on the back half people are going to look at look at it and go it's not at, it's not as good of a season even though the end result could be relatively similar and i think that it's just about narratives it's about timing it's about like nc stain is ranked higher than syracuse even though syracuse won that matchup head to head like it is college football is a narrative driven sport and this is one of those moments where, like, as a Syracuse fan, we have to do a, we have to try to pull ourselves out of the narrative and look at things holistically uh, instead of at this very point. In well, time. that well, that's that goes for all sports. I mean, like, case in point, right now, the Phillies, like, the Phillies had an awful start to the year, and in case and also point, the Yankees, the Yankees right. had a great Yankees start the to the year, best April in eons. Yeah, and narratively, when you look at it. Like people are going to see the Yankees system as a, the Yankees season as a failure, and the Phillies season as if even if they win or lose this World Series as a success, as based on how deep they made it into the postseason. Yep. Yeah. And it's baseball postseason. It's fucking. It's random number generator. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, Side <laughs> so note: I looked, uh, up, I, I looked it up. It was 2012. Yeah. Two losses to Northwestern and the University of Southern California. 2013 yep. was the Texas Bowl, for the record. Mm-hmm. Yep. There we go. Christian and I always have a Google off when it comes to the stupid thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to Qs.com, figure out what we can find. Side yeah. note. I, I want to bring this up. Side note. There is uh, something first on uh, uh, already it, on Syracuse's uh, page that we haven't seen in quite some time a bull ticket interest form for, for, yep. for mm. Syracuse. The uh, I, I will say it's. Yeah, it's fun. I would highly suggest filling it out. It's very silly because it basically just asks you, how many tickets would you buy to this bowl game? Here's the date and the location of the bowl. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I will shocker. buy zero and pray to God that Kevin can get us credentials. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Steve, Steve and I are going to be balling each other for credentials. 
unless unless it's in unless it's in New York City at the Pinstripe Bowl, and then you're both staying at my place for the live podcast and going. <laughs> I'll to bring the, the game mixer down. City. We'll run a live pod. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we're and we're sitting in the bleachers for that game. <laughs> yeah, um, I would, I would happens... say I would say I would say I'm down, but I would really love to be in a Yankee Stadium press box for that game. <laughs> All right, we'll let Christian go there. We'll go yeah. to the bleachers. We'll run the pod right after live cast. <laughs> oh my gosh, the live podcast in the Yankee Stadium parking lot. Who says no? <laughs> Which parking lot? There's like fifty. <laughs> There's like fifty at five at a five block radius. Uh, whichever the the only one where people who uh, who actually that is a good point. Either way, yeah, we'll probably do it at a bar. <laughs> let's let's figure it out later. Anyway, that's only if Syracuse is the pin. We're doing ball. it on a four trade. <laughs> the length. I can oh just gosh. picture. I can just picture my mixer and like my little power supply and the, the laptop just running the whole thing. Sir, why do you have a portable generator on this uh, No you know. reason. No reason. <laughs> it's fine. No. Guess what? Guess what? The the the, re- the reality of the situation is no one would ask. No one would bat a freaking eye. The goal would be to not make eye contact with us. It would be. It would be the most peaceful podcast that we've had. <laughs> what are these idiots doing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's New York. You don't make eye contact with people doing weird <laughs> shit. Oh, oh, man. Anyway, speaking now of people I, who no, do Now dumb... I'm wishing for a pinstripe ball. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of people who dumb, do dumb shit and don't get looked at weird, home field apparel, <laughs> makers of fine collegiate apparel, which include retro mascots doing funny things on your shirt. Meanwhile, uh, this is how Andy introduces our sponsor. <laughs> Let's be real here. I think Connor would spiritually be love the idea of somebody wearing an Anteater t-shirt filming a live podcast on the 4 train. I feel like that's just yeah, like... No. the Yeah. 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 Uh, they make great stuff. Uh, thank you to uh, Homefield for sending me a Syracuse T-shirt that I made my boss wear after he, he my my boss's boss is a Clemson fan. He was doing the whole like we don't even care about you thing, and so we made a bet on the Syracuse Clemson game on the spread because he was that confident. So he spent all day in New York City on Thursday wearing a Auto the Orange Homefield T-shirt. Uh, and then it resulted in a lot of people that I work with buying home field stuff because they had uh, T-shirts and hoodies and uh, sweatshirts for all their schools, including Oklahoma, Georgia Tech, Georgia, LSU. Uh, I work with a lot of people from the South, if you can't tell. Uh, but if, you, <laughs> if you're not from the South, I'm pretty sure that they still have a school for you. And you should use the promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, everybody. We promise that if the Yank- if Syracuse makes a pinstripe bowl, I will only ask you a hundred times for a ridiculous T-shirt and not a single time more. Um, I also had to yell at someone in our tailgate because they didn't use the promo code. Oh, yeah, the yeah, cardinal they, sin. They showed up in the 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 hoodie, which to for for the record is the most comfortable hoodie you will ever buy. Um, yep. But they they showed up in the auto hoodie, and I was like. Did you use the code? And <laughs> she was like, "No, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize." I'm like, "Ah, come on!" You say it every week. It's like either listen to the podcast or just ask me. <laughs> that is, yes. Um, speaking of which, sorry, uh, I'm just watching Josh Allen do ridiculous things as per usual. Um, yeah, I'm watching that same exact play. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, she's so good. Uh, I mean, spiritually, this is why Syracuse fans just can, they you just watch the Bills. If you want Eric Dungy 2.0, just watch, watch the Bills. The Bills. Yeah. You got, you got yeah. the guy. Got He's him. Eric Dungy. He's Eric Dungy, yeah. Just um, with a much better arm. Yes. 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 But also, that was partially what made Eric Dungy so good. Um, yeah. Let's talk about another sport that is taking, that is starting to play. Uh, college basketball is back. Uh, we've got the Rothstein tweets. Everything that you could possibly hope and dream for with college basketball is back in swing right now. Um, Syracuse played a Indiana University of Pennsylvania in a in a warm up game. They've got uh, a game a warm up game against Southern New Hampshire. I believe that's still a, a scrimmage. That's not in the opener, right? No. Nope. Yep. No, we yeah. talked about it last the, week that they're the, playing the, typical... the, the only online school. Mm. <laughs> The typical D2 scrimmages. Yep. And then I believe the first game, if I'm looking, I'm on Qs.com using the schedule bar at the top, so forgive me. Um, I know I could probably do this a lot better I if I you. just... I got you. First up, Lehigh. Lehigh. There we go. Um, and that... Network Extra game, so online, everyone. I don't like that. <laughs> we, we currently have uh, the three of the first five games scheduled for online. Only ACC Network Extra. Yeah. That's fun. Um, yeah, the Lehigh game is next Monday, so I guess we'll do a, a bigger basketball preview then. Um, but uh, guys, I'm just I'm just curious. Um, how many uh, how many seconds did you devote to watching the the Indiana uh, preview game uh, and or the pre- exhibition game? And do you have any thoughts other than oh boy, this could get rough? <laughs> Um, I unfortunately watched all the seconds. Great. I watched zero of the seconds. So if we ever so Christian, out, Christian and I watched half the game. There we go. <laughs> um, so with watching half the game, uh, collectively, because I won't tell you what I did, because that throws off our math. Uh, <laughs> how, how are we feeling? I, it's the first game. They'll probably look a lot different. But I looked at the stats, and the stats uh, made me a little concerned. Uh, first off, um, we, we, we quickly realized, man-to-man defense, not it. <laughs> not great, Bob? Last year probably could have worked. Mm-hmm. This year, not so much. Fair enough. It feels like zone principles are drilled too much into this team because rotations are really, really late. And man to man. Now I'm feeling like all, all I'm hearing is the Bill Raftery uh, from college football or college basketball, like 2004 or whatever. <laughs> Zone with man to man principles. <laughs> you know I, the, the yeah I was gonna say the principles are it's not it's not man to man. Yeah, I think that this is I think it's still probably too early to make any assumptions on the team. Uh, but we knew that the team was going to be struggling in a lot of areas and would need some guys to take a step yeah. forward. Um, probably no, most notably the guy that I'm looking at is Benny Williams. Like That's pretty obvious. Did not have a great last season and, and needs to have a pretty good this season if Syracuse is even going to make any kind of hope at an outside tournament run. And to be fair to him, he looked like the best player on the floor. So that's a very, very positive sign. 
That helps. The, neg- the negative sign to that is that probably should be Jesse Edwards. Also true. And yeah. So the positive and the negative were that he looked like the best guy on the floor. Yes. Fair. And we we kind of fell into the same problem that we fell into a lot last year, which is why did you not give the ball to Jesse Edwards? Mm. Because there's no reason, even against the Division Two team, why Jesse Edwards should only have seven field goal attempts. Dare I say it's more pertinent against a Division Two team of like, yes. hey, let him get in a rhythm. Yeah. And like part part of that is that he only played twenty four minutes, which is fine. Because again, division two team. But still, like even at twenty four minutes, I would expect more than seven field goal attempts. One would think. But you know, the... we're we're coming off a of football season where Sean Tucker gets five rushes in a game, so <laughs> Actually, this is this is like if you're. I've been playing uh, this game called Marvel Snap, which is a Marvel uh, deck building yep. game. Yep, yep. I've, I've, seen, sc- I've seen a lot of ads for that. It is very addicting. Hi, just want to let you know. Spent um, the last twenty four hours playing around with it. Yep, uh, but the way it works there's, is that you there's, play. There's definitely a club system that we're all going to have to get in on not for for this. Huh? <laughs> Probably, um, but the way Does it works is download that... this now. Yeah, you uh, do. Uh, in on it too, so. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> yep. So the idea is that you have to play, like, these cards and zones. These zones have specific rules that impact your game style. Um, it feels like the Syracuse zone rule is your best player is only allowed to touch the ball five times per game. Uh, good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> no, we should probably change that. Um doesn't see it. It's a limit. See, that if doesn't this, need if to this be translates, tough. if this translates to the other sports as well, that's going to get really, really upsetting. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It's not going to bode well for the Syracuse soccer postseason, is it? Yeah. Ooh, boy, please. No. Um, please. No, that would, that would just make me sad. Um, so yeah, basketball. We'll we'll talk more about. There's another exhibition game this week. Uh, we'll talk more about it and have a full pre, more fuller preview next week, depending on what happens at that at Pitt um, with football. Uh, other other sports to talk about. Aforementioned men's soccer program, who are your Atlantic Division champions. Woo! Print the T-shirts. Uh, Syracuse is headed off to the ACC tournament. Steve, uh, explain to us. How the ACC tournament works, Syracuse is the number two seed behind Duke. Um, what sh- what should we expect slash uh, how, when will Syracuse play next? Sunday. The first game in the B at OCC. Oh, God. <laughs> Too soon, man. Too soon. Um, no. So Steve and uh, I are still traumatized by that game. It really, it was so bad. Like, <laughs> Syracuse was the better team and lost the game because of the shit field that UNC scored on very quickly. Anyway. Back to reality. Uh, (laughs) Back to current reality, should I say, because that was real. We were there. Um, So the ACC tournament kicks off Wednesday with the first round games. Um, Syracuse was good enough, and this confused the shit out of me for a while because I kept telling my friends, we're going to play on Wednesday. We're going to play on Wednesday because for years we've played on Wednesday. Because because we've never been this highly seated. Right, right. since what, 2015? Were we even that high in 2015? Ever? I, I, I want to say ever. I think we've always played on Wednesday we might have always in the ACC played on tournament. Yeah. In the ACC tournament. Um, 
So, because we've never gotten that top four seed. Right. So we got the bye. And <laughs> um, I, I don't know if we know what to do with ourselves, but we'll be playing next Sunday uh, against the winner of BC and North Carolina. So we got the two overall. I, I would say about as solid a seed as you can get. Uh, Duke is the one. They are very, very good. We will see what the hell happens. Um, I would assume UNC ends up making it out, which Christian and I will uh, have various conniptions over the fact that we have to play them again. Again. <laughs> so, Notice how Steve and I said that at the same time. Yeah. Yep. So I'll be I'll be at the game for at least the first half and then coming in hot to the uh, the podcast. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, six o'clock um, game. I know it, the the boyo. I'll be. I mean, I'll be watching it. So yeah, yeah. we'll be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy, Andy and I will be watching. Yep. Yeah. Because my, my five year old's obsessed with going up there and also um, rolling uh, down a, the hill. A, oh, one hundred percent rolling down the hill. But um, uh, to him, uh, Jonah Leibold is the greatest player since sliced bread solely because he <laughs> saw my or he heard me tell my good friend that we were there with like my friend and his kid that's the same age. And I was like, oh, watch, uh, watch number 17. He's like he's always shuttling. He's always like uh, very solid wing back, like into the attack, also tracks back great. And my son was just like, all right. Number 17 is the best player ever and just <laughs> rolled with it. So uh, the number one um, number one member of the Jonah Leibold fan club is Sebastian Haller. So what so what you're saying is that Seabass is no longer going to be a future offensive lineman. He's going to be Alfonso Davies. Oh, no. If anything, <laughs> he'll be a he'll be Kamal Miller because yes. he's he going to be a center back. <laughs> it's that or he's like a hold up Daryl DK number nine like. <laughs> There to, to keep it in the ACC, like he gonna be a stocky kid. <laughs> I was gonna say big bottom small, big yeah, bottom he's, small. He's definitely uh, built like his dad for better or for worse. So, so he's Akin Fenba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get him hit in the weight room. Problem solved. There we go. Uh, I love that we just uh, decided your kid's future right here live on the mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah, why not? That's what we do. I mean, we've done that every week. That's true. He's, you know, he's he's very versatile. Apparently, obviously, he's gonna have a great. He's. Uh, it's, I, I, I mean, we're. I mean, we're, we're right now in this very podcast trouncing the idea that kids should just stick to one sport anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, because no. We're, we're creating the we're creating the greatest uh, Justin Pugh, Kamal Miller, Owen Hiltz hybrid you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Well, he is from West Jenny, so he will have a stick in his hand. So we'll see where that goes. Too, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think he really has a choice in that. This this no. really feel like. Uh, did you all see the the NB NBC has been looking for a follow up to This Is Us for ever since This Is Us started, and their most recent attempt, which I don't think it got a season two, was what if a dude had three different like life outcomes and instead of making any decisions we just show all three of them the show is just like what if but with zero like consequences like hey here's one here's another feel so, like this this uh sea bass thing is more oh, yeah. uh yeah. it has more it has more depth to it than than so, even that so christian will appreciate this you said this is us and all i could think of is the last of us which is a yeah. very, very different, <laughs> it's a very, very different story. Very, very different. 
Isn't that the one that HBO's making into a movie? They are. Or yep. into, into a TV series with uh, Oscar Isaac? No, or not Pedro Oscar Pascal. Isaac. Pedro yeah. Pascal. Yeah, Pedro there Pascal and Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. So it'll be interesting. It was a phenomenal Shotguns video game. Shotguns and Zombies. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I, was, I, I know the video game was great because it was like really the first cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. And right. so I, I don't know if going the other way works. I don't know. That's eh, it's, uh, it'll, it'll be like the walking dead, but less shitty. Yeah. And just more existential just parts of our podcast. Uh, just, base, hope, but... <laughs> uh, just, just hope that HBO does as well as they did with, as Netflix did with the Witcher. I mean, seriously, yeah. that's all you can really hope for. Which, uh, unfortunately, Geralt of Rivia will be changing hands next season. Hemsworth. Yep. So, if you want to hear more about that, check out my podcast that will (laughs) be coming out in an hour. The Multiverse Report will be talking explicitly about that news. So, I was going to say, I'm just waiting for God of War. I think it comes out next week, November 9th. God of War already? I thought that was next year. God, where have I been? Yeah, Ragnarok drops. I pre-ordered it. Uh... Uh, I yeah, did not I'm, know that came out next week. God, I have been behind. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm very much ready for this game. Or the I love remake this. of that that remake of that first game. The remake of that game was so good. Yeah, I got it. I just played through it again just to like remind remind myself the the controls. You're, like the, I'm at the point. <laughs> the sad the the only sad thing about that game for me was that it was so good that it trounced Marvel Spider Man PS4 in every single gaming category wow and and i liked and i liked marvel spider-man more but like that god of war game was just so so good that it deserved every award that you could give it but like that like pushed marvel spider-man to the side i still have never played a god of war game any of them because when they when the the bulk of the god of war series came out i was an xbox guy so yeah. Uh, yeah. I would I would I never played any of the other ones. I would advise playing the new re- I would play yeah. the remaster of God of War, the the OG. Norse one. Yeah. Yeah, the Norse. No, one. not the OG, like oh, the Norse. Okay. Yeah. The the Norse one that came out cuz it is fundamentally a different game in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to all you need to know is know that Kratos was a dude who uh, killed some gods, and that's pretty much all the subtext that you need going into the new oh, game. You need so enough. you literally just play Gore? You play as Gore with a conscience. Yeah. Huh. Okay. It's fun. It's very fun. I would, it's, man, it's just, it's a great, it, I will warn you, it's probably a 50-hour experience, I would say. It's like, long. You have, you have to... You have to dive into it. I mean, it. you're you're talking to someone who's currently playing through another iteration of Total War Warhammer Three, so um, long, ongoing games. I'm fine with. Well, good. Just just need to preface that before before you get mad at us that and you're also multiple hours of FIFA because why not? Well, yeah. Well, I was gonna say this is a fa- it's the the core narrative is a father son story. So this, at this the, is the end, just... you will. Get... You will get punched. You will get punched in the heart, and you will hate us for it. So I'm just trying to make sure that you understand what you're going into. This is the <laughs> origin. Hate- this is the orange story for our noons D and D campaign. Apparently now. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. If you need a DM, I'm here. <laughs> nice. Well, after those tangents, I feel like we're at a good spot. <laughs> I was about to say we've lost about ninety five percent of the viewership. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Join News is an Absolute Podcast. 
Uh, make sure you rate us, review us, subscribe to us on whatever your podcast platform is of choice. It helps us trick the algorithm into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Remember to use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your, fir- uh, your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, thank you if you're watching this on Twitch Live. We appreciate the support. We do this every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern-ish. And again, if you are watching this uh, on the NoonsMagician.com website, either on the podcast player or on the Twitch player, we do appreciate you coming back to the website day after day. Uh, It does mean a lot to all of us. Uh, Get ready for pit week. Get ready for basketball. Hopefully things look up from here. And if not, God of War comes out in a few days. So, yeah, there's that too. Go Orange! Go Orange.